How's everyone going? Good? Good? Awake? Alive? Well, before I, I preach the word, I just thought it would be really appropriate to pray for our government. We have a new government. So, and the Bible's very clear that God appoints the governments that are over us and that we should pray for them. And so we may not agree with God's decision. There may be some of us here that think, what on earth's going on? Maybe others that are very happy. But the reality is we trust God in all things. And so we pray for our government um, that they would be making wise decisions and, and that God, at the end of the day, we know that God is in control. So why don't we just stand for a moment and let's pray and lift up uh, Anthony Albanese and, the, and all his ministers and whoever else is in there in parliament with him and just pray that they would do what God's called them to do. Lord God, we thank you that above all things, you are Lord. As Jack shared, you created all things and you didn't think it robbery to become one of us, to humble yourself and give up your position. And so we understand that it's not about position, it's about servanthood, as Benito shared last week. And we pray that this government would understand that they are there to serve the people, to serve them in their best interests, in the best interests of the people in this nation. And we pray for Anthony Albanese and his, his government, Lord God, that you would use them, Lord God, that you would use them for your glory, that you'd use them, Lord, to do your will. We pray that you help them understand the importance of their role and to serve their, our nation as you've called them to. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. All right. A few weeks ago, I shared about agape love, and I finished with a scripture that I want to start with today because I believe it's the next phase of what we're going to go into. Who enjoyed Benito's sermon last week? If you didn't hear it, it's on YouTube. It's a great message about servanthood. And, uh, yeah, really encouraging and encouraging us that the pathway to a deeper and stronger relationship with God is through servanthood, through his service to us and our service to him. But I want to start with scripture in 1 John 3, verse 23 to 24. I finished with this the other week and it says there, John the Apostle says, and this is his commandment, talking about Jesus, we must believe in the name of of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And then this part here says, and we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. All of a sudden, John takes a bit of a turn. He's been talking about loving, talking about how much God loves us, the love that he lavishes upon us, and how do we know what love is, that God sent his son to die for us, and that we should live like him, that we should love each other and love one another as God loved us. So he's been talking about this, and then all of a sudden he introduces 
the Holy Spirit into the equation. And it's as if John is literally saying to us as a church that everything I've said about love, everything that I've talked about, the ability to live in God's love, the power to love each other as God has loved us is possible because of the Holy Spirit in us. I really believe that we will never grow deeper and stronger in our faith and in our relationship with God if we don't understand and realise the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So over the next couple of weeks, myself and others are going to be sharing about the Holy Spirit and his role in our lives and what it means for us to have the Holy Spirit in us. So let's start by having a deeper look at what this passage is saying. So John is saying in this verse, you'd read it, I'm, great, I'm not great at grammar, but I think it's a verb. But he says, and we know he lives in us because the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he gave us, lives in us. That word gave is really important because that, it's a verb, it's a doing word, obviously, but it's also talking about, in the, in the original meaning, it's talking about a point of time. That there's a point of time when God gave each of us the Holy Spirit. That point of time was when we became a Christian. That point of time was when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. When we said, I need you in my life. Some call that salvation. You can call that salvation. Uh, and Jesus talked about it as being born again. Or if you read John chapter 3, when he's talking to Nicodemus, he, he calls it being born of the Spirit. And that is that moment in time when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, when we confess our faith in him. And the Bible is very clear about this. If we look at a couple of verses... In Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14, it says, In him, talking about Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. When did it happen? When we received salvation. And then, it's, then it says, Who is the guarantee of our inheritance? until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And then in Romans 8, verses 15 and 16, it says this, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. How good is that? So every person here who has invited Jesus into their life, who has asked God to be a part of their life, has repented of their sin and confessed that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is God, what the Bible tells us is that he gives us his Holy Spirit as a seal of the exchange that we give him our lives and he gives us the Holy Spirit. So the questions are, so who is this Holy Spirit? Well, to put it simply, we firstly need to understand that the Holy Spirit is God. 
okay? He's not a lesser God or anything. He is God, part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, is the third person of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When Jesus was about to leave, he commissioned his disciples and he said, go into all the world, preaching the gospel, making disciples, and then baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When Jesus himself was baptized, you look at the story, you see the, the Trinity uh, shown there, where the Son was there being baptized, the Father spoke and said, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And what happened? A dove descended on him, which was the Holy Spirit. So we see the, the Trinity. And so when we talk about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's the Trinity. Now all of them are equal. They are all God. They are all one. It's not like oh, the Father is the most important, and then the Son, and then the Holy Spirit. No, there's no hierarchy in the Trinity. They are all equal. They are all united as one. So let me expand on this a little bit. So if the Holy Spirit is God, that means that he has all the nature and character and attributes of God. So when you think of God, God is love. So what does that tell us? The Holy Spirit is love. The, the theologians tell us that God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. So the Holy Spirit is everywhere. The, Bible, the theologians tell us that God is omnipotent or omnipotent, as some might like to say it, that he is all-powerful. So the Holy Spirit is all-powerful. And God is omniscient, which means he is all-knowing. So the Holy Spirit is all-knowing. So we understand that we, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about God himself. And although he is called Spirit, Holy Spirit, it's not talking about the nature of spirit. God himself is spirit. God the Father is spirit. God the Son now is sitting in heaven, spirit, man. And the Holy Spirit is spirit. But it's not referring to that part of him, the ethereal type of part. What it's talking to, if you translate it in the original language, is talking about the breath of God. That the Holy Spirit is the breath of God, or literally the life of God. So some theologians tell us, some commentators explain it this way, that at creation the Father spoke the Word, which is the Son, that we know from John chapter 1, that the Son is the Word. So the Father spoke the Word, and the Word was carried on the breath of God and brought life to everything. See, that's the Holy Spirit, the breath and the life of God. So if I could explain it as simply as I can in, in lay terms, what I would say is that the Holy Spirit is the person of God at work in our lives and in our world. Say that again. The Holy Spirit is the person of God who is at work in our world and in our lives. Now the Bible explains to us that the Holy Spirit is sent to us from the Father and the Son. Uh, just as the Father and Holy Spirit sent the Son, so the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit. I'll give you some scriptures to help explain this. 
In Ezekiel 36, it prophesies. God says, and he prophesies, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful of my rules. So the, God is telling us that he's going to send his spirit to be in us, to be a part of us. In John 14 to 16, Jesus is speaking and he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Who is he? He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives in you. He lives with you. He's talking to the disciples and later will be in you. Very significant. John 14 says, Jesus again saying, I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. Luke 24, 49, this is just before Jesus is about to ascend to heaven and he says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. And then Acts 1.4 says, Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. See, this Holy Spirit has many names. In some of these passages it says advocate. Other translations call him helper or comforter or counselor. Some say the spirit of truth. There are literally about 80 different names for the Holy Spirit but all describing this role that he has to be with us and in us to help us live the life where God has called us to live. So what is the role of the Holy Spirit? Well, number one, he confirms our position. As it says in Romans 8.16, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. He is the seal. He is the promise. And that, that he is the one that gives us that inner assurance that we are now children of God. That we put our faith in God and he is the seal to prove that. Now, we see that confirmation in a change in the way we live. Now, some people say to me, well, how do I know that I'm a Christian? How do, can I know for sure that I'm a Christian? Let me say this, the very fact that you are asking that question shows that something has changed in your life. Because before you were a Christian, you didn't care. You didn't care about, am I a Christian or not? But all of a sudden, the, the idea that you have taken a step of faith to say, God, I want you in my life, I need you in my life, I put my life in your hands, and you say, that in some ways you say, make me into what you want me to be, then the desire to say, well, am I a Christian or not, is a starting point for God to work with. I know when I first became a Christian, all of a sudden, things just seemed to change. 
Things that mattered to me before didn't matter to me anymore. And the things that mattered were what God would want to do with my life. And so the first role of the Holy Spirit is to continually confirm to us our salvation. And that as we walk with him, as we grow closer to him, that becomes stronger and stronger. And we see the fruit of it in our lives, which we'll talk about in coming weeks. The second thing the Holy Spirit does is he convicts us of sin. In John 16, verses 7 to 8, it says, Jesus talking, says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. This is really important because as Christians, sometimes we take it into our hands to tell the world about their sin. But the Bible is very clear here that the role of convicting of sin is whose? God's. The Holy Spirit. He is the one that convicts of sin. Jesus makes it very plain that it's the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone who convicts of sin. Now, obviously, occasionally, he will use us and maybe our words to lead people to that place. But it's not like we need to stand on a street corner yelling out, you're sinners and you're going to hell. That's not our job. What's our job? Our job is to love them as Christ loved us. That's our job. It's God's job to look after their sin, to convict them of their sin. I've shared this story, I think, before, but um, I heard Bob Mumford once share a story about a friend of his who was starting a church in a red light district in San Francisco and uh, stepped out in faith, planting a church right next door to a strip club. He was pretty excited about that. And uh, so he was preaching the gospel. And one day the manager from the strip club walked into church and got saved. Gave his life to Jesus. And the, the pastor was so excited, as you would be. Isn't this amazing? And he's like, he, he's prayed for him and he's, he's given his life to Christ. And he's, he's had that seal of the Holy Spirit placed upon his life and so the pastor's thinking and praying for him and thinking when do I tell him to stop managing the strip club when God when do when when's that place and God just the Holy Spirit just said to him just leave it to me let me convict him and it and it will happen and he said about six weeks passed and nothing seemed to change he was still managing the strip club coming to church and he's like, what's going on, God? And then he come, the guy comes up to him and says, Pastor, Pastor, God's been speaking to me. And he goes, praise God, he's going to give up the job. Isn't that will be amazing. And he goes, yeah, I really felt a conviction in my heart that we should stop watering down the alcohol in the strip club. <laughs> he's like, that's not quite what I was thinking. And God just said, let me do the work. Let me convict. Let me, you love him. 
You look after him, you disciple him, you help him, you lead him in the word and let me deal with the other stuff. He said it took over six months but he eventually gave up management of the strip club and kept walking with God. This is, sometimes we put the cart before the horse. We need to remember our job is to love them. Our job is to disciple, to walk alongside. And, and there may come times where you can talk about sin issues in people's lives. There's no doubt about it. But at the end of the day, it's always led by the Holy Spirit. He is the one who convicts of sin. The Holy Spirit also leads us into truth or into all truth. In John 16, verses 12 to 15, Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will speak he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is similar to what we read in John 14 when he says, but by him, because he lives, um, when he's in John 14, he says, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. So what is the truth that he leads us in? It's simply, it's the truth of who Jesus is. It's the truth of Jesus' teaching. It's the truth that we understand that Jesus is the Son of God. We've talked about this a lot in church. But Jesus came, became a man, as Jack shared about, for the exact purpose, yes, to save us, but he also came to show us in human flesh what God looks like. So no one will ever have an excuse to say, what is God like? But in Jesus, we have a true reflection is the way it's, it's described in the Bible, a true reflection of who God is. That when we see Jesus, we see God. And so the Holy Spirit leading us into all truth is showing us who Jesus is. If you ever question, is this from the Holy Spirit or not, it's always about Jesus. It always leads us back to Jesus. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life and so if he is the truth then the role of the Holy Spirit and the reason that the father and son sent him was to teach us and reveal to us who Jesus is or in other words who God is so that's the his role in our lives that's why the father and son sent him is to continue to be a presence here on earth that reveals Jesus to us you hear stories all the time um, I heard a story the other week about a Muslim man here in Adelaide who where Jesus revealed himself to him as the son of God and he converted from Islam to Christianity because of... And that's the Holy Spirit who gave him that vision of Jesus and showed him who Jesus was and brought him to salvation because that's the role of the Holy Spirit. The last thing 
the Holy Spirit. Well, it's not the last, but it's as many as I'm telling you today. Um, the last thing I'll tell you today about the Holy Spirit is that he empowers us to live the Christian walk. Now, there's so many ways that the Holy Spirit empowers us in our Christian lives, and we're going to talk about them over the next few weeks, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, all these things. But most important it is to say is that we need to understand that the, one of the reasons that the Father and Son sent the Holy Spirit to us was to give us his power, to empower us to walk the Christian walk. Because the reality is you can't do it in your own strength. On the day of Pentecost, which is coming up in a couple of weeks' time, uh, we see God's power come upon the early church and the Holy Spirit fills them and we see it empowers them to do what God has called them to do. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses or witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, if you know the story of Pentecost, we've read about it a bit even today, where Jesus said, I'm going to the Father. Now you wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. And he declares here that when he comes, you'll receive the power to be my witnesses. You'll receive the power to live the life of the Christian walk. So if you know the story, they're in the upper room. It's, it's the day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost was one of the festivals of the Jewish tradition. It was the festival following the Passover. So it's really interesting that the Passover was the festival celebrating the fact that the children of Israel got out of, of um, Egypt. When, you remember when they painted the lentils and the spirit of death passed by and, then, um, and their sins were covered and they then left Egypt and were set free. Very symbolic that Jesus died when Passover was happening. That he came and gave his life and his blood is now over us and covers all our sins so that death is no longer a problem for us. We know we have eternal life because of what Jesus has done. Now around 40 to 50 days after Passover is Pentecost, which is a celebration of God's provision of freedom. It's a celebration of them walking in the wilderness and God providing manna for them every day. That they all, and so it was a celebration of God's provision for them to be able to live in the wilderness. Very symbolic that on the day of Pentecost that God would send the Holy Spirit to the new covenant church as a sign of his provision for them to be able to live the life that he has given them. Does that make sense? So here they are in the upper room and all of a sudden it talks about there's a, a rushing wind comes through and a loud noise, a bit like when the train passes by out the back there, there's a bit of a rumble and then all of a sudden there's something like tongues of fire on their head, little flames above their head and then they begin to speak in other tongues and, and, and it's like early in the morning and it spills... They spill out onto the streets and there's people there 
obviously in Jerusalem for Pentecost, there to celebrate, come from all over the world. And they're going, wow, look at what's going on. These, they, aren't these Galileans? And they're speaking our tongue, our language, and, and they're talking about God's mighty works. And then other people are going, these guys are drunk. What's going on? And if you know the story, Peter stands up in courage and boldness. Now, this is the man who denied Christ. All of a sudden, under the empowering of the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, he gets up and begins to preach. Preach a really powerful message. Literally talking about the fact that what you're seeing here is that God's Spirit upon, upon us. And it's prophesied as in Joel that God will pour his Spirit out on all flesh. His sons and daughters will prophesy. And so he talks about that and he talks about Jesus. And, and at the end of it they say, what must we do to be saved? And he says, repent and be baptised. And then 3,000 are added to the church in that day. So let me say this. In that instant, the Holy Spirit empowered the early church to do something they could never do in their own strength. This is, the, this is what the Bible teaches us. That God sent the Holy Spirit to them so that they would be able to do something that they would never be able to do in their own strength. This was the reason Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. So that by his power, we would be able to have the boldness and confidence to declare the hope that we have within us. Now remember, this is important to remember, that the disciples were already saved. Back in Luke, it talks about a time when Jesus breathed on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. The commentators tell us that was probably their salvation moment. So they're already Christians. They already have the Holy Spirit in them. But then God, in his amazing generosity, doesn't stop there. But he sends his Holy Spirit not to just be in them, but to, be, to, to fill them and overflow out of them to those around them this is our generous god we sang about his love is like a mighty ocean we often talk about this moment as they receive the baptism of the holy spirit what that means is they're like a gherkin in vinegar they're they're infused with the holy spirit it's like we're in his ocean of love and we're so full of him that it can't be contained and this is what God wants to do in our lives. And here's the incredible thing. If you read the book of Acts, you see this happen time and time again. So you think, wow, this is incredible. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke in other tongues. They had little flames on their head. Isn't that incredible? A couple of chapters later, Peter and James have been arrested, or Peter and John have been arrested, and the Pharisees tell them, or the, the king, not the king, but the chief priests tell them, you can go, but you're not allowed to go and tell anyone about Jesus. So they go back to the, the arrest of the Christians, and they tell them what's happened, and they go, oh, what do we do? What do we do? And then in Acts 4, you hear what they do. In Acts 4.31, so just think about this. This is a few days later, they They'd received this amazing baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
They'd seen 3,000 added to their church and now they're freaking out. What do we do? What do we do? What do they do? They say, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And then it goes on to talk about how they live together in harmony and, and no one wanted anything. And you saw the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their lives where, where there was no lack amongst them. And then they shared communion and they did all these things. But the fact is, it's a few days later, they are filled with the Holy Spirit again. Because we need to understand that our God is a generous God. And he doesn't want us to try to walk this Christian walk in our own strength. But he wants to give us the power we need to walk the Christian walk. In Zechariah 4.6, God made this prophecy. He made this promise. He says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel. <laughs> Zerubbabel. Everyone know that bloke? He says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. This is what God wants for us. He wants to fill every part of our lives. He doesn't want us to try to like, struggle through life. But he, we serve a generous God who loves us. And he doesn't just lavish his love on us, he lavishes his Holy Spirit upon us. And he wants to fill every part of our lives. We receive the Holy Spirit by believing in Jesus, obviously, first and foremost. But then, just like the early church, we need to ask him to fill every part of our lives. And this is not just a once-off thing. This is a, a continual thing. It's a, a regular thing. Just like we see in the early church, their example is, yes, it can happen with great power and might and, and great manifestations, yes, but sometimes it can just be starting your morning by saying, God, fill my life with you. Help me, enable me, strengthen me. I, I lay it down before you. Because how do we be filled with the Holy Spirit? Or if, and I'll ask the band to come if they want to come. How do we be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, number one, if we use the example of the early church, the first thing we need to do is be obedient. Be obedient to God. Because Jesus said to the early church, he said to them, go to Jerusalem and wait until the Holy Spirit comes. It's really important. And they actually did what Jesus asked them to do. They were waiting in the upper room. And when they were challenged with not preaching about Jesus, they prayed again because they knew that God was asking them to preach and they say, God, give us the strength to be able to preach in spite of persecution. So then the first thing we need to do if we want the Holy Spirit is to be obedient, to say, God, my life is yours. I, I follow your example. I'll do what you ask me to do. But the second thing, and it's very simple, it's not rocket science. Second thing we need to do is just to pray and invite him. Invite him into our lives. Maybe part of that prayer 
for some of us means God sorry for not including you in my life daily I repent of trying to do life in my own strength and I ask you come and fill me with your strength just what we read in Acts 4 that's what they did they prayed and the Holy Spirit came because this is the thing about our God our God if you read the Bible from beginning to end you'll discover that our God is a God who will fill and use any structure that we give to him including ourselves if you read the Old Testament there are to- the, the children of Israel built an ark and God's spirit filled it they built a temple and God's spirit f- filled it and it was incredible but then Jesus came and he said I'm no longer going to live in places or or buildings I'm going to live in your hearts and you'll worship me in spirit and in truth and so it makes sense now that if we give our lives to God that he would fill it with his presence that he would fill it with his strength and so today I'm going to ask you to stand and that's what we're going to do we're going to invite him to fill us afresh the band will sing a song in just a moment for us to worship and and express our love to God but before we do I want us to take a moment to open our hearts those who would feel comfortable to to open our hearts and say God we need you fill me with your strength fill me Holy Spirit with your power just like you did with the early church you might want to raise your hands and, and surrender yourself to him and say God I give you this temple of the Holy Spirit my body I give you my life I, I, I give it to you and I ask you to come and fill it and it's really important for us to understand that the Holy Spirit is the breath of God so what I'd ask you to do is just to breathe him in just like you breathe air breathe in the Holy Spirit and if with every breath by faith believe God I believe you're filling me with your power and your strength to live for you so why don't we do that right now why don't you ask him and just between you and him just open your hearts to him and say God I open my life to you I give you this life and I ask you to fill it and just breathe him in breathe him in and allow him to fill you and strengthen you and empower you by faith 